Yo, 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 yo. Elevate, bring it up. Oh, y'all ain't got to say it yet. Oh, y'all ready, though. Okay, y'all ready. I want to see everybody come, though. Fill up these seats. Fill up this church. Everybody stand up and please make your way to the front. Is everybody here yet? Come on, everybody. Put your iced tea away. Put your chips away. Right now, y'all about to get fed on Jesus. Who wants to get fed on Jesus? Ah, uh, come on. Y'all don't sound excited. Y'all don't sound hungry. Y'all don't sound hungry. Who's hungry up in here? Who loves Jesus? Hey, Will, do you love Jesus? Woo! Okay, all right. Do you love Jesus, Nathan? Woo! Oh, come on, man. Somebody encourage this brother, man. Lay hands on him. <laughs> Guys, welcome to Elevate. I'm so excited. Who's it? Y'all excited, right? Amen. Elevate. Elevate. Hallelujah. I'm going to call somebody up, man, to share a scripture. Let's see who's been reading the word this whole week. Aiden. Come on, my bro. Come on, bro. Did you read your word this week? No? No? Okay. Who read their word this week? Who wants to be a volunteer? TJ, come up here, bro. Give him an example, man. Share a scripture you read this week. Uh, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his might. Pull on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authority, against the common one, and the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. Woo! Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Guys, learn from him. TJ's awesome. He'll teach you some crazy stuff. Or the Bible, of course. Anyway, let's get ready for worship. Woo! Yeah. 
Every chain is broken. Yeah. 
strength, God. It surpasses all things, God. It is so much greater, God, than our strength, so much greater than our knowledge, oh God. There's people here, if not all of you, who have came here in defeat, declaring weakness over your lives, declaring sin over your lives, but this is the now where you have to start declaring victory over your lives, declaring that God is the king over your lives, declaring that God is your savior that god is your rock start declaring now oh lord i pray god these youth god 
God, that us that a salvation will strike their hearts, God. They have not been saved, God. That tonight will be the night of salvation, Lord. That this is the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not later. Today, today, declare Jesus over your lives. Today, ask the Lord to come into your hearts. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. He knows your struggles. He knows your pain. He knows everything that you go through. All he wants for you is to call out, to cry out to him. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Rabatoro Koterene. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Lord, I pray, God, that tonight, God, these youth, Lord, will be touched by your love. God, that tonight, God, will be unforgettable, God, that they can look back and say, oh, how great is my God that he saved me. Lord, I pray, God, that this will be the day, God, where they will no longer, God, sin, where they will no longer fall into feet, God, but fall into your merciful hands because you hold everything in your hands, oh, God. It, we can be so caught up in doing things on our own. We can be so caught up in trying to figure out things on our own strength, but forgetting that God, that God is in control, that God knows what he is doing. God knows our best. God knows what he has to do for us. Let's submit to Christ. Submit to Christ now. Now. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that tonight, God, will be glorified, Lord. God, bless the word, God. Bless the service, God. Bless the rest of the night. Bless the fellowship amongst the youth, God. And at the end of the night, God, we can say that love reigns. That love reigns. Your love is all we need. It's all we need. It's all sufficient. It's all we need. What more can we ask for, God? We need your love, Lord. Let your love flow through tonight, God. Let your love flow through the hearts of these youth, oh God. Thank you, Lord. Have your way, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. What's up, what's up, what's up? Elevate! Uh, I'm going to wait till y'all are all paying attention because it was like half of y'all. Half of y'all. Y'all awake? Oh, I guess nobody's awake. You're all asleep. Elevate! Elevate! What, what? What, what? Oh, my gosh, TJ. It's not that kind of party, TJ. It's, it's cool. It's cool, TJ. You ain't got to fight nobody. We're just excited to be here. What's up, guys? We're here at Elevate like we are every Friday night, 7 p.m. And here we have a strat a vision. I'm sorry. We have a vision, loving God and loving people. Who knows what loving God means? Isaiah. Oh, you ready, Isaiah? Isaiah looked like he was excited. Oh, Isaiah's not excited. It's messed up. Who knows what loving God is? Okay, I'll tell you what loving God is. Worship God with passion and obey his commands. Oh, you, you got something to say? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then loving people. Who knows what loving people means? Oh, it got silent. See, it got real Josie. Come on, y'all gonna let Josie steal your shot? Come on, go ahead. What's it mean? Help, help in times of need and preach the gospel. Oh, my gosh. Grade A, 100%. How old are you, Josie? 10. Basically, she's telling y'all to get right because y'all messing up. You got a 10-year-old coming, stealing your shine and elevate. Man, that's okay, though, because we got a strategy. We're going to connect you to the cross. We got our life groups. We got the ambassadors. And let, let, let them say it at the same time as you. <laughs> and then we got the resistance. Oh. Do I have to give them another chance again, Steve? One more? Okay, Steve said one more. We got the ambassadors. There we go. There we go. Do I do the resistance again or do I just leave it? Okay, Steve's not paying attention, so I'm going to leave it. And then we're going to mentor you in our 101 and 201. So all my 101ers, can you make some noise? Destiny looks like she's not excited. You guys got to get Destiny excited. All of my 101ers, make some noise. Okay, okay. And how about my 201ers? I said 101 is twice and 201 is once because we're excited to be in 101 because you can't be in 201 unless you're in 101 first. 
And then we're going to send you out to make disciples that make disciples for the ultimate goal of 50 churches with 500 around the world. And yeah, 50 churches, 500 around the world with 100,000 disciples. If you believe that, can I get an amen? As the slide comes up, there's the slide. And everybody can stand to your feet for tithes and offerings. Who knows what a tithe is? La la, I seen la la first. What's a tithe, la la? 10% of your total income. 10% of your total income. Is that correct? Are y'all going to make some noise for her or what? She got it right. Come on, y'all, where's the energy at? Oh, my slide disappeared. Okay, and what's the offering? Jojo, we got the brother. Anything you give after your tithe. Anything you give after your tithe. Come on, make some noise. They both got it right. Brother, sister, duo. Avi's next up. She's going to answer the next one, but I don't have another question. Oh, I do. What's the example? 10% of a car in 1940. Come on, Avi. You got to come through with it a lot. Come on. Lala got the got the ties. Jojo got the offering. Avi got the answer. No answer. No answer. That's wrong. What's 10% of a car in 1940? One dot. You sure? Why you got to ask, like, the hardest question ever? Who knows how much a car was in 1940, first of all? Who knows the cost of a car in 1940? What? Four? <laughs> Can you give us the answer? Because you stumped everybody in the room. What is 10% of a car in 1940? I know. That's what I'm trying to say, right? They don't know what the car costs, you know? $80. So if 10% of a car is $80, how much was the car? There we go. You got that right. 800. All right, let's bow our heads and pray. God, we come in your mighty name and we thank you for this night. Lord, I pray that your uh, tithe would bless the church, God, that it would go out to make the ministry further, God, that it would make it bigger so that we can add disciples to the kingdom. And I pray everyone here will receive the word tonight and that it will be brought forth with authority and power in your mighty name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Come forward and bring your tithe. All right, elevate, 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 what, 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 come on, how's everybody doing tonight? Yes, man, we got some Cub fans still representing, right? You can just wave, just wave, that's what I'm talking, look at this man right here, yeah, man, cannot let that one go, right? That's what I'm talking about, man, you know, I just want to come up here to, um, uh, thank God that you guys came or whatever. I know it's getting a little chilly out and stuff, but you guys cannot, you know, don't worry. We do have heat in the building, all right? So let this be a safe haven. We will put on the heat, things like that. Don't worry about it, man. But it is good to see youth in a youth place, right? Um, one thing I do want to say here, uh, last week we had an awesome uh, man of God who preached the word, good old Julian. Give it up for Julian. Come on, somebody. Right, how many people received that word? Amen. It was an awesome word on promises. A lot of you guys. How many here last week? Let me just see that. We had a lot of you guys. Amen. Yes, man. Praise God. So the only thing I did want to say, I know he didn't kind of mention it inside the sermon, so I wanted to say it today, and that was the fact of the daughter, if she was sacrificed or not, right? How many, how many believe that she was actually sacrificed by her dad unto God? One, two, three, okay. We had a four. Come on. So we got four people. So he didn't did kind of, you know, have the opportunity to, to like, kind of break it all down and clarify. But there was not a child sacrifice 
in at all, you know what I mean, for that matter, unto the Lord. He would not receive one. And the way you see that is inside the scripture of that uh, of Judges, you see that the girl, when uh, when when uh, Jephthah came back home and the first person to come out of the, the, the house was his daughter, he did make a promise to say to God, God, whatever comes out of my house first, I will give it unto you as a burnt offering. But see, just because we make a promise to God, like something like that, doesn't mean that God then says, well, I guess you're going to have to do your promise now, even though I'm against what your promise is. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? It's like, hey, God, if you do this, I'll kill myself. How many of you know God is not going to accept that promise, right? Like, no, you're crazy. Get help. I, that's why I have Dr. Christians that can help you guys out with that, you know? But nonetheless, in this particular situation, yes, he made a promise. Yes, his daughter came out the building, but he did not give her as a burnt offering unto the Lord. And you can see that when you read the scriptures, what it actually says is that she was only concerned about her virginity. She was concerned about the fact that she would never get married. How many know what I'm talking about? You guys remember that? So she said, let me go for 20 days into the, into the wilderness or into the, uh, the forest so I can cry with my friends that I would never get married, basically never have kids, things like that. She never, how many know if you're about to die and be offered as a burnt sacrifice, meaning they're going to set you on fire unto the Lord, that you're not going to be worrying about no kids that you don't have? Married, you're not going to be worrying about virginity. You guys, are you guys feeling me? Would you be, Aiden, would you be worried about if you're going to die tonight, would you be worried about having kids and, uh, and virginity? No, right? You're like, dude, give me the first plane to Mexico. I'm out this piece. Daddy done went crazy. I'm gone. That's, that's what he would be thinking, you know? So based in the scriptures, you can see the girl wasn't crazy. Her dad was a little crazy, but she wasn't crazy. But she did honor the fact that, you know what, hey, you're going to give me up. But what happened was there was actual, there was actually, according to Romans 12, uh, verse 1, it talks about a spiritual sacrifice. So in this sense, just like that and just like Samuel was raised up in, in the priest's home, his, uh, the mom made a promise that you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. So in the same regard, Jephthah then would have to give his daughter to the priest and the priest would then have to raise her up. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So spiritually, she was dead in that sense. She was sacrificed in that sense spiritually in which she would be raised up with God, never to marry, never to have kids, and that's just what it was. You guys understand? I just wanted to clarify that. I don't want nobody walking around like, man, those people that elevate and match your praise, they talking about they sacrificing kids on the altar, and, man, that's what we're going to do. Once my kid has crazy, yep, burnt offering you go. I'm killing you. You're going to the Lord. <laughs> it's not, it does not work like that. God actually condemned the pagan and the, and the Canaanites for doing it around them, how they would offer up their, uh, their children to a false god. Uh, named Murdoch or something like that, and he he literally was was uh, against all that all that child sacrifice. God is not for that. The same way he is not for abortion is the same way God is not for child sacrifice of any kind, whether you promise or not. It don't make a difference. All right. So I just wanted to clarify that, man. If we can give a, a hand clap to Jesus and for uh, and for Julie, man, doing an awesome job last week. Uh, this week, we're going to continue on going forward in our Heroes of Faith, and today, we will be having the awesome Stephanie Santoya bringing that word. Let's give it up for our sister, man. How's everybody doing? Good? <laughs> All right, awesome. Well, it's a privilege to be here standing before you guys and just sharing uh, this word on uh, David being one of the Heroes of the Faith. So I just want to open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for every person that's here, Lord God. I thank you that your word alone can speak to hearts, God, that you don't need my words, God. You don't need me, God, but you use me, God. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit, that even now you're the spirit of all truth and you're reminding your people of your faithfulness in their lives, God. So I pray that every ear be open, God, Every heart be open, God. Every mind be open, God, to what your word wants to say, God, and what you want to speak to their lives. I pray that they would walk away from this place changed because of you and your glory. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So today we're going to be in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. So you guys probably read this before. How many of you guys have heard of David somewhat, something? Yeah, awesome. Okay, so you guys got, it's pretty famous, right? 
Let's see. Let me turn there awkwardly. Crickets. Crickets. Okay, no. Okay. So, I wanted to start off giving just some background of uh, the book of Samuel, just so we get an idea. So, the book of First Samuel and Second Samuel is obviously written by Samuel, right? <laughs> Pretty obvious. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> just got to laugh at myself sometimes. Okay. So, as we continue on. So, Samuel was a spiritual leader, right? So, he was kind of like, he was a prophet, and he was God's mouthpiece in that sense. So, God used him to establish kingdoms uh, under God, that is, and um, we see the gradual, gradual change of Israel. So the Israelites were God's people. So who's God's people in this place tonight? Hey, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we can kind of begin to place ourselves in the story of what's going to take place. So in the midst of just this time, just get an idea of the time of Samuel. Um, they didn't have kings or anything like presidents like we have now, right? So they had people that were in place, like spiritual leadership, and um, I lost my place. Spiritual leadership, right, like Samuel, and then the people, God's people, uh, wanted to be like the other nations, and they said, we want a king like the other nations. So we're like, God, God, give us a king, give us a king. And so what God does is, um, after the time of Judges, where, you know, you hear of Jephthah last week, right, and a few others, they were ruling and so then it goes from judges to kings. So one of the first kings that Samuel anoints, which means set apart, he sets apart um, Saul, and then David following. So that, which is my point. You guys are probably like, blah, 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 blah. Why is she sharing this? Does this even have anything to do with the story? But it does. So David, right? He was the one that um, was anointed after Saul. So Saul kind of fell off in... God wanted someone to be king that would lead his people to him. And Saul had that heart in the beginning, but he lost that heart. And so God sent Samuel to go find David where he was. So if you guys look at Samuel 16, uh, 1 Samuel 16, what does the title say? Anybody shout it out? Want to give me, want to help me? <laughs> yeah, 16, what's the title on there? That one's 17. Good job, though. I love your participation. Samuel anoints David. Awesome. Okay. So I just want to give you a backdrop. Then what's the next heading that follows within the same chapter of 16? It's in 1 Samuel 16. There's a heading. should be around verse 13 or 14. Thank you. This is me, guys. I know you guys probably didn't see this side of me, but it's coming out today, all right? So um, let's see. David. <laughs> I just have to laugh at myself sometimes, okay? I already said that once. This is the second time. Who's going to be counting for me? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, thank you. Tell me after service, okay? Thank you. Okay. <laughs> all right, I'm just having fun, guys. So... Let's see. Da, da, da. There it was. Okay. So basically Israel, God's people, right, they wanted an earthly king, but they didn't know that they already had a heavenly king, right, which is God. And so back then when a king took place, they assumed all power and all the people places their trust in that king, and then they begin to forget the Lord, which was the whole point of why God chose to move Saul and put David there. Even while Saul was king, David was already being anointed. So little by little, God began to take David, right, from um, just shepherding sheep. He began to place him um, just where he wanted him. So when we see um, that God uses Samuel to anoint David, right, he then is moved into Saul's service. So he becomes... Uh, the court musician, right? Anybody read the book of Psalms? Okay, awesome. Most of those Psalms are written by David. Um, what do you guys know about David, since I'm already sharing some things? Shout it out. What else? He was a king. 
Ich habe viele Gewalt. Ja, ja. Oh, ich glaube, das ist so. Musician. Oh, sorry, I can't hear. Yes, that's good. Okay. Awesome. So David, this we get this idea of David. David was young. He was about 15, 16. Do we got any 15, 16 year olds in here? Oh, a snap. David's in the making. Watch out. All right. So the thing is, even though David was anointed and set apart when he was 15 or 16, it didn't come to pass that he became king until he was like 30 years old. Can you imagine when in 15 years God gives you this promise and you're like, I'm going to be a king? Or maybe he didn't think he was going to be king, but he thought he was going to do great things for God. And it's just in the midst of waiting, uh, like Josie said, right? He was shepherding, right? So here's some more stuff if you didn't know, like uh, um, Missy said, that he was the youngest of eight, uh, eight sons, right? The youngest. Who in here has a younger sibling or is the younger sibling? Okay, wait, let me do this again. Younger sibling, raise your hand. Okay, 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 down. <laughs> now, <laughs> now siblings that have a uh, younger sibling. Okay, that was just confusing. I confused myself. Just forget that, okay? All right, let's not put this in the video. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. Have fun. Laugh with me. Going through the word of God should be fun, okay? So I just want to make this fun. All right. So let's start with um, David and Goliath in verse 17, 1 to 4, 1 to 3. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sakoth in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Sakoth and Asakah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied the hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So if we can go to the next slide. I don't know about you guys, but I'm more of a visual learner. So kind of just understanding, I guess, this is where uh, Goliath was from. And they said this is where the Israelites were basically camping out. And then between there was somewhere where the Philistines were, and then supposedly out there scattered, because I guess they had a big army. Okay, you can go forward. So you can picture this in your mind. When I was reading this, it was like a movie, right? Anybody uh, like plays or watching plays, right? So this is like scene one. So what's, what's happening right now? The Philistines and the forces, dun, dun, dun. They're going, they're camping out, right? Then we got... Uh, on the other side, you know, like how they do, like, in the movies, Saul and the Israelites, dun, 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 they're camping out. <laughs> and then they're in their own battle, right? So this is scene two. Did we already go? Yeah, you're the best. Joking. Okay. Let's go. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. Wore a coat of scale armor. Okay, I need to stop because I'm trying to process this. Look at it. it says, I'm trying to look for the thing behind me. <laughs> Fail. Okay. So it says that Goliath was a champion from Goth, where the place I just showed, and he came out of the Philistine camp. He was nine feet tall. That's pretty tall. That's taller than a basketball player, than probably any sports player that we have here. That's giant. And then it makes me like just laugh because it, it begins to describe him. Just listen or just read along with me. It says, he had a bronze helmet, so that was pretty heavy, on his head. He wore a coat, a coat of steel armor of bronze, weighing 5,000 shekels. So I think I wrote it on there. It was like 125 pounds, that means he's carrying this. Think of this, this big guy, big helmet, this like coat that weighs like, 125 pounds. Not only that, but then he has a bronze, um, on his legs he has bronze greaves. So I'm guessing some type of shin guard or something. That was like another 12, 15 pounds. Then he's carrying a bronze javelin, it says, was slung on his back. And then he had a spear shaft, was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. 
So get this. He's this big guy, right? He's armed all crazy, right? But then at the end, this is the best part. He has a shield bearer. That's pretty crazy to me. Like, you're a big guy. You're armed with everything, and you still have to have a shield bearer before you? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. All right, so let's move forward. So this is scene three. Dun, dun, dun. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I, a, am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So what do we learn from this right now? In this scene, Goliath is standing up all proud and tall, and he's shouting, right, to the people of God, right, the army of Israel, the ranks of Israel. And he says, why do you even come before me? He's basically saying, like, are you kidding me right now? Like, like get out of my face, right? What else is he saying? He makes a bet, right? He says, if you can find a man that can fight and kill me, then I'll become their subjects. But if I overcome them and I kill them, then they become my subjects. And then he begins to go and just go at these, these Israelites, God's people, right? Just begin talking and saying all this stuff. Oh, like, basically in our, in our language, who's ever been in front of a fight or something that's happened? Right? So people get crazy. They're just like, get out of my face. They're like, are you kidding me right now? They're like, I bet you this, I bet you that. And then they start going at each other. So this is what's going on right here. But the only thing is that, just picture a giant person, right? And then the Israelites feeling dismayed. They feel down and they're terrified and they run away. What's seen for? Yeah, they scared. They scared. They need the Lord. <laughs> now, David was the son of a Ephrathite. Oh, Jesus. Named, Je <laughs> named Jesse who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. Hey, Miss A, shout out. And in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eli, the second Abinadab, and the third Shema. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. So we're getting going more into the story. So I like how it begins with the two groups, right? Then it introduces Goliath. This is Goliath. And this is the problem, right? And now this is David he's introducing, right? And what do we learn from David? He's the youngest. But then I think it's crazy how <laughs> the focus from David moves to his brothers. They're like, yeah, so David was a seven so-so. And then he had other brothers that were this and were that. And then it ends with David. It was like he was the youngest. Just make sure you guys know that. So basically reminding us. So the next slide is scene five. Dun, dun, dun. Thank you. Shout out. Oh, yeah. I love you guys. <laughs> I'm having fun, guys. Okay. Oh, I love you guys. Okay. 16. <laughs> Woo. The 40 days the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. So I left that one alone. On this screen, I was like, I was going to leave uh, just verse 16 by itself, but then I added the other, so I was like, why waste all that space? But anyways, so for 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Can you imagine 40 days? You're in this army of Israel, right? And this guy keeps coming for 40 days, getting in your face and making all these threats and saying, okay, is anybody come fight me now? Like... What's your problem? They're there morning and evening. I would have been like, I'm tired of this. Let's do something. Let's, I'm done with this. All right, so the next scene. Well, it's, it's still here because I didn't finish reading. 
So now Jesse said to his son David, take this afaf and roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along those, these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are, are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men in Israel in the Valley of Elah, fighting against these Philistines. So basically, what do we learn? Basically, David goes from being a shepherd boy and then to being a messenger and someone who gives the troops basically what they need. So who else doesn't want food, right? So he goes to bring them bread and cheese. Maybe he's making grilled cheese. I don't know. Maybe it was hot enough. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so he says, see your brothers. Go check on your brothers. It says, they are with Saul and all the men are of Israel in the valley of Allah fighting against the Philistines. I don't know about you guys, but we just read 40 days the Philistines came forward. They weren't doing nothing. They were not fighting, okay? Just, just put that out there. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to find the other scene I didn't mark. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, I found it. Okay, early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to his battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath and the Philistines, champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted, his usual defiance, and David heard it. All right, making sure it lines up with what I have here. Okay. So what happens with David? David goes, obeys his father. He gets together the bread and the cheese, and he's like, okay, I'm going to my brothers. going to give them their supplies. And then on his way there, he begins to hear basically what they've been hearing for 40 days. This uh, Goliath guy just come and, see all these things and defy not only just um, the people of God, but God himself, because that's his people. And so I think it's interesting that above, we see how when Saul was with the Israelites and he heard this, but he didn't take action. But then David hears this now, and he began to take action. This is what he does. I think we can go to the next one now. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He keeps coming out to defy Israel, and the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man, the men standing there near him, what will be done if the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So what we find here, David begins to talk to these guys, right? The people in God's army. And he says, who does this guy think he is? Does he not know my God? Does he not know who we are, right? And this is what happens when he begins to talk to him. He says, they repeated again, what would, what would he get if he, if he killed this guy, right? There's a list of things that, he, that Saul said that whoever were to, to step up and kill this dude, he would get something. So like a bounty hunter, think of what were three things? It was mentioned here. Verse 25. says the king will give great what wealth right and what else would he give to him his daughter okay who else what else yeah that's a pretty good deal right you're gonna get great wealth then you're gonna have marriage right and then it says what does it say your family is gonna be free from taxes what <laughs> we got an applause for that <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, so that's a pretty good deal, but look at, it's crazy how David knows already what it is that he's saying. 
what are the things that he gets, right, from it? And then he asked them again. But not only that, but he asked them again after that. Okay, I'm going to just skip forward for the next slide. Dun, dun, dun. When Eliab's David's, when when Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. So basically, in other words, his brother's saying, Why did you come down here? And where are your sheep that, that you watch over? Why don't you just go with them? And then he says, You're conceited. And your heart is wicked. And he's like, you know, you only came down to watch. You weren't going to do nothing, right? Treating him in his face like older brothers do, older siblings do. Maybe not in that way, just joking and teasing around. But then this is what his response is. David's like, now what have I done, said David? Can I even speak so I can't even talk, man? He's like, then he turned away to someone else who would listen to him, right? And he's like, he brought up the same thing, right? He asked the same question. Like, dude, you know what Saul would give you if you did this thing, right? But um, I was just reading and researching, and it was commenting about how David asked more than one time because he was counting the cost. Going to fight this guy Goliath would mean him putting his life on the line just to honor the name of God. Okay, we're going to continue on. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go up against the Philistines and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting man from his youth. So what are we getting here? He goes to Saul, right? He finally works up the courage. All right, I'm going to do this thing because not for me, but for God, right? Because I love God and I want to honor God. And he says, let no one lose heart. He said, I'm going to go. And this is what Saul says, super discouraging. He says, he says, you're only a boy. He's like, this dude's been fighting since your age, basically. And this is what David, um, this is what he said. David said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion, when a lion or bear came and carried off, a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So what David is saying, this is what David's standing on. He's like, I don't care if this guy's been fighting ever since my age right now. But what I do know is that God has been preparing me when I was shepherding these sheep. Because when a lion and a bear came to try and take these sheep, God gave me a heart to be able to guard these sheep and to be able to protect these sheep. Right? Can you imagine fighting off a bear, fighting off a lion? Like, can you guys literally do that? Probably not, right? And that just shows the strength of God. And this is what he says. This is what he's holding on to. God didn't tell him anything in that moment like, David, I'm telling you to go. No, this is what he stood on. He said, dun, dun, dun. No, he didn't say dun, dun, dun. What he said, what he said was, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. But before that, I'm trying to find the place. But this is really important. This is one of the most important parts of this message. In verse 34, it says, When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. So he's basically being a savage in what he's saying. He's saying, okay, I killed this bear and this this lion, not in my own might, but in the strength of the Lord. But this Philistine is going to be like that savage animal that I'm going to kill too. And he says, 
right now, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David was standing on what God had already done in his life. And because he knew God show up, showed up back then in the past, that God would show up again. Following is the verses as Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his word. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. So this is what Saul then says. He says, okay, go be with the Lord. And he begins to put all this stuff on him. I don't know about you guys, but I noticed a similarity. Saul begins to put the coat of armor on him. Who else has an armor? Goliath, right? He puts on a bronze of helmet. Who else has that? Goliath. This is what David says. I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from his from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David didn't use what Saul gave him because he said, I'm not used to these. And more than that, I don't need these because God has given me what I need. He was aware of his weapon. He was used to using it to protect his sheep, and he knew just when to take it out and to use it when the time would come. And so many times in this world, we all have an enemy like the Philistines going after us. We have lies of the devil roaring at us, right, shouting at us, saying we can't do things. We're not children of God, just different things. But like David... God wants us to remember how he showed up in the past and he will show up the same way in the future. And he says, I don't need your help doing it. So you need to take off the armor. You need to take off the helmet. You need to take off everything the world's been trying to give you so that way you can fight this battle that's in front of you. You just need me and what I give you. In verse 41, it says, Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him. That's pretty funny, right? David's coming with just a sling, right, and the rocks that he has in his pouch. And what, what, what does he have? He has an armor bearer coming before him. That sounds like a cheater to me. <laughs> like, come on, with a fight, it's one-on-one, -on -one, but then you have an armor bearer. Anyways. So the armor bearer and, and Philistine, they kept coming closer to David. And he looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, you will come against me with the sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and to the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know, and it is not by my sword or spear, or spear, but the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give it all into, your, into our hands. How powerful is that? David's saying, I don't need all your stuff. I don't need what you have because I have God. When you have God, you have everything you need. You need to have all the stuff to take down the enemy that's in front of you. As Christians, we can run away or begin to see. I posted all these little pictures over here, right? So to picture what? The, the Philistines, right? And their army, right? And there's some things that we're battling, right? Whether it's bitterness unforgiveness, lies of the enemy, what is it? Inadequacy, what else? You can name it in this place. And those are the enemies that are coming against you and God is calling you, I've given you a sling and I've given you the rocks. Now come and follow me, come, come and trust me. Come and step out and know that 
the way that I saved you and delivered you before, I can save you and deliver you now. Oh, thank you, Lord. As the Philistines moved closer to attack, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistines with a sling and a stone, without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. Just like how he declared that he was going to hand his body over to the birds and the beasts. And so he did. Not even with his own sword. With his own sword. The one he killed. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines, the entrance of Gath and the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and brought it to Jerusalem, and he put in the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistine. He said to Abner, commander of the army, whose son is this young man's? Abner replied, as surely as you live, O king, I don't know. The king said, find out those whose son this young man is. Just going back to what was being said, the verses that highlighted David's faith leads to us having a good testimony testimony before God. And not that we're good in ourselves, but, but God is good to us. And he's faithful to us. That during times of testing, God makes a testimony. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for what you're doing tonight, Lord. I thank you that you have all control, God. In Revelation 22, 11, it says, We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so just like David overcame by the blood of Jesus, right? The blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony, so we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And if you feel like you haven't had a testimony, you don't know what that is, that's how God has changed your life and what God has done or showed up in your life. And if you want that, you can have that today. This message is for both people, for people who've been in the church, who haven't been in church, whatever. It doesn't matter. For those who have not had a good testimony, God wants to give you a good testimony today. For those who don't have a testimony at all, God wants to give you a testimony today. In closing, if you just stand up with me. God, I thank you that you have everything in control, God. That we can't hide anything from you, Lord God. But that you see the Goliaths in our lives, Lord God. You see the Philistines, God. You see the armies, God, in our lives, God. The things that try to come against us, try to come against our faith, God. And the things that you've called us to do. And God, I ask that today, God, will be a day where we overcome by your blood, Jesus. And by the word of our testimony, God. That your blood covers us, Lord God. It allows us to be forgiven, God, to have new life in you, God. We thank you that just like David, God, that he loved you, Lord, and he put his life on the line just to honor your name, God. I pray that tonight that, that choice would be made, Lord God. To honor you, God, to lay our lives down, God. And to see you defeat the Goliaths in our lives, Lord. 
because you were faithful to do it before and you do it again, Lord. 